On today's episode of the JRW Audio Experience, I'm interviewed by the role player, aka Mr. Kid, on general discussion topics. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is Mr. Mr. Kid, intro. Word on the Street. Mr. Kid, Word on the Street. Probably the coldest place I've ever did an interview from, the tundra of Duluth, Minnesota. And, uh, the road player. The road player. And I got my <laughs> man JR here. And I just wanted to um, ask him a few questions and kind of, you know, pick his brain about, you know, his life and, you know, where he's at and some of his ideas. I would say the thing that um, impressed, I've met several people here in Duluth. And I would say the two people that I probably uh, have the most respect for and that, like, has put kept me on my heels as far as thinking has been JR and another cat named Charles. And I was most impressed by JR because he talked about having, um, doing podcasts and this and that. And, you know, every, it's like if people are saying that they rap, everybody raps and got the mixtape. But then when he took me to his actual office with all his setup, and I was like, this dude is really serious about what he's talking about. So my first question, JR, is how did, how did you decide to get into doing podcasts and um, how long have you been doing this for? Not that long, only about seven months. Uh, how did I decide to get into doing podcasting was simply my moving company failed. Uh, after traveling the world, I ended up starting a moving company because I took my skills that I had, which I had done a lot of moving. I grew up and we moved a lot. My mom was on Section 8 and we moved all the time. So I was packing moving trucks when I was 12. So when I got done with my life traveling and trying to find myself, I start, I came back home and I started a moving company. The moving company did really well. It was a, I got, I scaled the moving company. I went from having no moving trucks and being living out of the back of my moving trucks. I, so I literally started with one truck living out of the back of it. I was moving people at, by day and by night. I was showering at the gym and sleeping in the back of the truck. And then I ended up buying a truck, buying another truck, buying a third truck. And I ended up having eight employees and building a business and it was going really well. And I was had it doing around a million dollars a year and then ended up collapsing. I had two of the three trucks crash in a seven week period. Uh, in September, right around my birthday. And it was all because I pretty much was trying to go too fast. And I had some people working for me that I shouldn't. And then so after that business collapsed, I needed uh, to do something new. So I leaned into uh, the modern day tools of communication and did a lot of uh, listening, researching, understanding. And I realized that the thing I wanted to devote the rest of my life to wasn't necessarily just money like I did for the moving company, but rather focusing on the key characteristics of communication, evolution, and growth, and social evolution. And a lot of those keys in order for us to evolutionize and grow and adapt comes down to communication and using the tools of technology to do so. So that's why I started a podcast, and that's why I'm so so excited about podcasting because it once you think about like where people's attention is and you think about Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and you think about the the statistics behind how big podcasts are becoming and how many people are giving their time, energy and attention to them, it's really interesting to start uh if you believe in something, start a podcast behind it because you can then start using the written word, photo, and video to bring attention to whatever objective, truth, or service, or solution you're thinking about and you believe in. So, so that's what I. That's how I got into podcasting. So the the uh, moving company was here in Minnesota. The moving company was here in Minnesota. I had it in the Twin Cities in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, my hometown. That's where I grew up. Coon so Rapids. How did, how did you end up in Duluth? Uh, my brother is, so I grew up, I had a uh, youngest of three boys. My mom raised us and my old, my older brother, Isaac went to college in Duluth 
And so ever since then, my, after my mom died, uh, I've all, me and my brother have always been close. So we've always spent, when we're in Minnesota, it tends to be the, me and him are like always within close proximity, whether it's Duluth or the Twin Cities. So he went, he was a bulldog and he spent a lot of time up here. So that's how, and also when I start a business, I understand it comes down to having cheap and minimalistic and re, like realistic, uh, like, expenses so once i looked at duluth i saw the inexpensive office space i saw the inexpensive lifestyle of living and i realized okay it's duluth i can probably really be patient have a cheap office and build 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 and be patient rather than rushing like i did my moving company and seeing it collapse uh, let's say the the moving company did collapse so you know the accidents didn't happen and now it actually um doubled in business where would you see yourself now? Do you think you would, would you be, I mean, you'd have a little bit more money in your pocket. I just think that's, would you I don't be? know. I just don't think that's a realistic reality. My company failed and that's, that's actually, I think the, the best thing that ever happened to me. So it happened for a reason. I think everything, I think all of our biggest losses, like a lot of people have a hard time with this, but when I used to talk about my mom dying being my, the best thing that ever happened to me, most people are like totally taken off by that. Yeah. But once you realize that the things that make you grow the most are the most valuable, then you start to realize that is where the value is. And once you start to study the concepts of growth and so forth, and a lot of the things that force us to grow and do things that we're not comfortable doing are where all the value, we derive all our value from those moments. So there was nothing in my life that ever forced me to grow more than my mom dying. So at the end of the day, my moving company collapsing, I think, was the best thing because I was sitting there and I was actually thinking about all these things at the time when I was doing it. I was working 100-hour weeks and I was making all this money, but I would find myself thinking, like, do I really want to lift and move boxes the rest of my life? And it wasn't really something I fully loved doing. Yes, I love making money. I love the process of scaling and building something, but I didn't really enjoy necessarily the whole process of seven days a week, mm-hmm. loading and unloading moving trucks and being the guy that had to do it. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty aggressive, uh, guy. So when it comes to moving and having a moving crew, I, a lot of the times the, the guys would always look to me for, there's a lot of soft ass people nowadays. So when it came to lifting the heaviest items or doing, I had to do a lot of the heavy lifting and it's, it's, but yeah. So at the end of the day, I found myself not necessarily wanting to continue doing moving. So I found myself trying to focus on things I believed in and focus on doing something moving forward that I really had passion for and believed in and nothing more so than focusing on the, the evolution and growth of equity, social evolution and the social systems. So how did you get introduced to equity, social evolution? You're just surfing the web and came up, um, some, some, you know, heard some people talk about it and just started diving into it and i think it yeah but at the same time it's just more about my life experience and traveling and seeing the inequities of the world and being someone that was raised in somewhat of an inequitable situation and when you're raised by a single mom on welfare and then you grow up and you travel a little bit like i did i traveled around the country and i lived in nine different states and i saw the homelessness issue in hawaii and i saw how inequitable a lot of life is i just i'm just obsessed with equity of society and equity for all so, and also I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with growth. Like I get sick of not growing. So like I get sick of not like challenging myself. Like when I sit back and I'm, I'm just like, okay, how can I do something that makes me grow? And if you think about the most difficult, challenging task that someone could ever take on, it would probably be like helping people find awareness, perspective, 
to the social evolutions and social and like forcing people to have perspective and awareness to how our ego and inner subjectivity is keeping us from growing and adapting and evolving and trying to get people to come together and work together as a community and go and achieve something. So it's really hard to do, but at the end of the day, it's really fun trying to focus on these important like social topics and important social evolution concepts. Like, I don't know. I just, there's so many people that are just focused on money and like just trying to survive and get by. It's like, I want to try and actually focus on things that make a difference in the future of our, like in the future of our society. But yeah, it's, it's kind of egotistical. So people say, Oh, like you're going to make a difference. But I mean, what, at least why not try to do something good in your life? Like people sit back and they say, you're not, that's such a big task. Who are you to try and do that? Like, but who are you not, not to at least fucking try? Like, we're all here. We should all at least try to make a difference and help each other sustain. Like if you knew right now, Mr. Kid, that you had you saw the future and you knew that like say that it's not necessarily true, but picture this world where you knew that immortality people could become immortal and by 2060. And if people could just live to 2060 and they somehow had the selflessness and the awareness and the perspective to be humble and disciplined and focused to sustain to a point where then they became immortal and they had all the things that they ever wanted. They were content and we had world equity and then all these cool things happened for them. Wouldn't you feel like it's on you to advocate and educate and empower people to see that? Yeah, if you believe, truly believe that. If you truly believe that. So you're saying by 2060, we're going to be immortal. So what, they're going to download I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily, yes, that's what the science says. download our brain into the computer? They're claiming, so they're already working on a lot of those things. But yes, by 2060, if you read about all the books, I've read Homo Deus. It's Homo Deus is the book by Noval Noah Harari. And he also wrote A Brief History of Mankind, Homo Sapiens. He wrote The Future, also A Brief History of Tomorrow, which is Homo Deus. And that states that we will detach from our carbon footprint, we'll become transhuman, which means if it all makes sense, if you think about it, we currently are seeing transgender takeover. Imagine when humans merge with technology and we can download our brain and conscious to a robotic body. So you have them merging and you become transhuman and transsapient. So you'll be what, 80 years old when this happens? No, I would be, if, if it happens in 2060, I would be, I'm 29 and it's 2021. That would be 60 years old. But keep in mind, if you Separate download your consciousness to a body, you're going to have the faculties that you would have uh, as if you were 20 again. Wait, how would it come on, man? So what are you talking about? 93 and 20. Your consciousness would be downloaded to a robotic body. What are you talking about? You're, you're, yeah, but you if I, would be my 93-year-old conscious. Yeah. I'd be 93. So you would have all the awareness and perspective that you've gained from your whole life in, a, in the youth of a robotic body. But what about the dementia and all of that other stuff that comes along at 93? That's what that's all going to be. So, that's what this all is doing. That's overcoming the... the in, but that's exactly what it's solving. You're you're going to be able to download your body and your brain and your conscious awareness and perspective and faculties will will all be intact. All right. So okay. So that's all right. So 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 now that's what I'm saying. So once you understand that, that's why it becomes people talk about. Oh wow, you you think you're going to make a difference? Well, if you start to see this truth in reality, you kind of start to feel why you see why it's so important that someone would believe in it if it was true. Because right. you want to advocate, educate, and give people the perspective and awareness to it to then be like, okay, I need to prepare for this. I need to sustain. And in order to make it to that point, people are going to have to become flex flexible, agile. And adaptive because things are going to change rapidly in the near future when we have these massive innovations come forward in the next few decades. I mean, you're talking about blockchain and you're talking about a lot of these things that are going to have massive innovations and impacts on our society. And you're going to see major rigid bureaucracy 
collapse in a lot of the pillars of our society. So, so today is February 2021. What are some goals that you want to accomplish by the end of this year in the next 10 months? Uh, my mainly is uh, I want to publish my first book in the next 12 months. And then I also want to have my first, uh, I'm going to, I want to hire my first four employees. So what is your book going to be about? So my plan is to publish my book. It's called America Sells You, and it's the concept of all my life research and studies of um, the consumer's addiction to friction-free living. So basically our addiction to speed, the consumer's addiction to speed and addiction to anything, whether it's services, solutions, ideas, or concepts that are that are comfort to them. So what I mean by that is anything that doesn't challenge our beliefs, challenge us to grow, push us to uh, challenge our inner subjective interpretation of things or simply just like anything that is comforting. And my book is simply going to be on that. It's going to be on the concept about how America sells us on friction-free living. It sells us on doing what everyone else does so that we fit in so that we're another uh, cookie cutter of society and that we're falling in that alley of comfort of going to college. Okay, I go to college. I fit in. Now I have all that debt, though, which is, to me, being sold on friction-free living. To me, a part of being sold on friction-free living is college debt, the single-family home, and marriage, and having to be with someone by a certain time and have kids. It's this whole image that America sells us, I think, that, and I'm going to go through my book, and I'm going to articulate how all these examples are essentially manipulation of our addiction to speed, and our addiction to friction-free living, and our addiction to comfort. And as a species, that's really a red flag because as a species, one of the main reasons that we're able to dominate and sustain is when we can recognize our threats and eliminate those threats. And right now, when humans are put in this false environment of comfort and we have had all these years of comfort and we haven't had to like eliminate threats or had to like be in the natural environment, we're in this false environment where everything is comfortable and we have no like struggle, pain or threats we start to lose track of our threats. And it's really scary when you look at the characteristics of social evolution and growth and the next innovations that are coming forward with blockchain, NFTs, and cryptocurrency, because technology is very, very much a threat to us as far as AI and so forth, eliminating a lot of the monotonous labor in the job market. And a lot of humans are just absolutely delusional to the threats that we're seeing. So that's that's basically what my book's going to cover is how we're becoming lackadaisical and we're becoming addicted to comfort and friction-free living and understanding how that connects to a lot of the key characteristics of uh, how we are becoming really vulnerable to our threats and, and so forth. And you said you, you want to hire four employees by the end of the year? Yeah, so I have a uh, shout out to Frankie Russo and 360IA. Uh, I really appreciate all your time. We, Me and Frankie are building us slowly but surely building a relationship and a lot of my what I do is about scaling relationships. It's about having someone and reaching out and connecting online with the tools of technology and the and the impact and reach that technology gives us. I can look someone up and connect. And me and Frankie are developing a relationship. And I'm trying to share these perspectives with Frankie because once you understand this, it all becomes a, a game about how you can adapt and evolve. And if you want to sustain. You need to adapt and you need to change. So I'm trying to help Frankie see this. And Frankie's really interested in starting a lot of these things up. And he wants to start a podcast and he wants to start doing a lot of these things. So 
Yeah, I plan on in the next 12 months probably hiring three to four employees. Okay. Yeah, and it'll at least at, at the minimum three to four part-time, but more likely uh, three to four full-time employees. Okay, so I, I mean, I've known you now for maybe, what, about four months, man, and you're always in that room, man, and you're always listening to things, man, and you're writing notes, and you're doing this, and you're organizing that. What do you do as a hobby on your free time that has nothing to do with learning all this new stuff and this? I mean, well, how do you just unwind and relax? I don't do much of that, man. Uh, this is this is my this. But that's the beauty of once you understand, once you understand, you find something that you really love and makes you happy that you get to do every day. That is my escape. That is okay. my disconnect. So. When I was running a moving company, you're right. People would say, oh, you need to have self-care. But you really cannot burn out on something that you truly love. And if that's why I find the ability to be humble, disciplined, focused, and committed. Because when I'm actually doing something I truly love and enjoy, there is no burnout and there is no escape from that. Because I that is what I want to be about this the reason I'm so excited to research and listen to all these different things every day and learn and grow is because it is this is my escape. My life and what I'm doing currently is my escape. It is my hobby. It is my passion. It is my life. So at the end of the day, once you see how big that is, a lot of people that they're trying, they need to have something to escape to find happiness in. And I think that's a big topic in conversation is trying to find out how you can find the thing that day to day is your escape, is your hobby, is your pleasure, is your joy, and that you're doing it on a day to day basis. And you don't need to have that escape. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I love passion is your life. Your life is your passion. Exactly. And if you see me, if anyone ever meets me, you, you, you see it. Like I, I'm energetic. I'm upbeat. And anytime I talk about this stuff, like it, I'm on, like yeah. there's most people you, it's hard to find people that like are always on about something or like, okay, they're, but when it comes down to this, like I've done so, but like you said, I think a big thing about what you said is I listen so much. There's one thing that I, I love talking about and it's the research and the listening. And I have done so much listening before I, I started my podcast, as I said, six to seven months ago. And up until now I'm 29, I had almost everything was listening. Everything I do when I'm not podcasting is about how when I turn on the microphone or we record one of these, I can bring forward data, whether it's qualitative or quantitative research, and I can share it. And it's not necessarily just my perspective. At the end of the day, it is my perspective of that data, but it's not necessarily just me living my life and saying, oh, this is what I think is right. It's more a deduction from all this scientific data that I'm bringing forward as well as my life experience and merging the two. So, Okay. A couple more questions. If you could meet one person who is not living currently, who would it be? And sit down and like for one day just kick it and chop it up with them. Wow, that's a that's a diff that's an interesting question. One person that's not living. Yeah. <clears throat> ah, man, I'd have to honestly go with my ma. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's easy to be honest because I spend so much time researching and so forth that yeah, it would be cool to sit down with a lot of people that I've read about. So, but my mom's dead, so yeah. if I could have another, if I could sit down with anyone, that would be definitely be Lisa Marie King. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That makes um, it an easy question. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. You gotta yeah. You gotta have that. Um. So, what about somebody who's not related to you that's already passed? I would definitely go with Albert Einstein. Wow. Okay. So you, you, even him before Tesla? 100%. Why? 
Uh, just Albert Einstein. He, when I talk about, if you ever look, I challenge you to go look at my podcast episode. I have so Albert Einstein connects all the dots with the things I talk about, and he has. I had an episode I did recently in one of my first episodes. I think it was like in the top twenty episodes. But if you go look back at my my show. You can see I did an episode with my top 10 Albert Einstein quotes, and they all 10 articulate everything I'm trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And he has all the quotes and everything that he ever touched on. He touches on all these concepts. He talks about how the power of uh, the power that a lot of storytelling has. He talks about all these things like his quotes. If you look at Albert Einstein are absolutely amazing and he covers he is amazing. So that's why Albert Einstein for me is that. I think the person that carries the most weight when you mention their name as far as credibility and intelligence, I don't think there's anyone in the history that if you bring up their name and mention a quote by them that gets will give you more credibility than Albert Einstein. So that's why I did that episode and that's why I think I would love to sit down with Albert Einstein is because I think he represents the epitome of intelligence and scientific operation and, and like just IQ. And I think people give him a lot of credibility. Hmm. Like, don't you think Einstein gets credit? Like, people say he's the smartest guy ever. The majority of the people that you talk to. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's up there. But I guess you got to kind of be. I mean, I was kind of a science kid when I was growing up, and I guess you got to really admire the sciences and being in all of this and that. And um, but yeah, he's definitely definitely uh, one of the most intelligent people, at least in the last one hundred years. I would say. All right, last question. You ready for it? Yeah. Are you still rolling with the Vikings this year, man, or do they uh, do they need to make some big changes? Uh, in the this? Vikings, yeah, man, <laughs> got the purple and gold up here. That's right, damn right. Yeah, I'm a Vikings fan, man. They, at the end of the day, the, are they on the right path? At the end of the day, man. <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't think the Vikings are on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> what do they need to change? At the end of the day, if I was the owner of the Minnesota Vikings, the first thing I would do is cut. I would get rid of the contracts that Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook have. Just my opinion, I would get rid of them. I think it's been proven in the NFL that you can win with serviceable running backs, and it's been proven that you can win with a quarterback with, a, with that doesn't. I just think those two contracts are the worst thing the Vikings have. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, and I think he's highly overpaid. Okay, what about the coach? Uh, I, I also think Mike Zimmer is not a modern-day NFL football coach. So they need to go with somebody who's... Yeah, I would rather have someone like Clint Kubiak as the coach. That's the young offensive coordinator that is promoted. I just think that in today's NFL and the way that things are and with no crowd, I mean, the defenses are handcuffed, man. You take away the crowd noise, which is the ultimate, was really ultimately the last advantage defenses had when it came to getting off the line of scrimmage and getting pressure on the quarterback. And without a crowd now, I mean, the whole game is skewed towards yeah. the offense. So I just think that if you need, as a team, you need to, to me, the whole game is the removal of ego and the removal of self, right? So if you look at football, if you look at teams like Bill Belichick and the way that he operates, he is equitable. He looks at the concepts and plugging people in and not using crazy contracts that handcuff you. And I just think when I do something, I like to look towards someone that's had success. So if I was ever going to start running a football team, I would look at Bill Belichick's economical way of operating and I would start to implement that. And I would look at how I can find equitable uh, reasonable contracts and implement them. I don't think Dalvin Cook's contract or Kirk Cousins' contract is going to lead the Vikings towards the Super Bowl. So you're telling me Belichick made the Patriots and not Brady? I'm not saying that. I'm saying 
Yeah, I think Bill Belichick's system of ego-free operating is is the is the answer to everything. Okay. I think that yeah, Brady's an amazing quarterback. But at the end of the day, if you watch the Super Bowl that Brady won, I mean that you don't. Let's face it, that Tampa Bay team is deep. That defense played amazing. Yeah. The defense won the game for the Buccaneers. Yeah. All right, Mr. Kid. Word on the street. You heard it here first in this cold tundra of Duluth, Minnesota. All right, J Dub. Word on the street, the road player. Salute. Salute. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. Your attention is our oxygen. Please continue to like, share, subscribe, and download for a better chance at being the next loyal brand follower mentioned at the end of our next show. Shout out to at NBA Hustler on Twitter for being such a loyal listener of the JRW Audio Experience. Thanks. Remember, folks. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It is simply one perspective. We are in media using the written word, photo, and video to elevate the level at which we operate, cooperate, communicate, and create, hoping that by sharing powerful, authentic, fictional stories in a vulnerable, creative, cultural, relevant fashion, that we can bring hope, education, advocacy, and empowerment to the end consumer. Because none of us are right. None of us are wrong. It is simply our perspective.